I'm here along with the rest of you to get a little bit more healed by the Lord. How about you? I don't know if you could tell, but, um, you know, by the way, I, good to see you, Sal. God bless you guys. I'll try and not continue to greet different ones of you, but it is really nice to see you. I was thinking, um, uh, John, I enjoyed watching you up there. How many of you know John over there that was playing the, I'll call them the drums, it's a drum box or something, but um, uh, sure love that guy and his wife, Linda, just tremendous people. And, uh, and Gary, where are you? Are you in here? Yeah, Gary. I mean, nobody plays the guitar like that guy. Anyway, um, now there really are other people that play the guitar well, but um, that's my nephew as well, and dearly love the guy, and uh, proud to be to call him, call me my, call me his uncle. Is that right, Frank? Did I get it right? There's two things deep on my heart, and I'm asking the Lord to. I'm not just asking him to attend what we're going to be talking about. I've been seeking the Lord all week that I attend <laughs> what the Lord wants to say to you. How many of you would be open to that? And I really believe that the Lord wants to talk to us tonight about our souls being healed. Because we can sure get torn up and sure get hurt a little bit. And some things seem to take longer to recover from than others. And, you know, the joy that I have, I mean, I work as a therapist throughout the week, and I'm at a, about 78,000 hours as a therapist. Some of you haven't been alive 78,000 hours, all right? Anyway, it just means I'm old, all right? But I have the joy of working with uh, pastoral leaders, people that are missionaries from around the world, and also military personnel that have been trapped in, uh, in trauma, and they need to get freed from it. And by the way, pray for me, uh, because uh, we set each, each of those people, that, the military guys, I served nine years as an endorsing officer for chaplains in the military. Uh, for those of you who did, how many of you, any prior military service in here? Okay, a couple of you. So I was a GS-15, which you'll note that's civilian service because the chaplains have to have an outside command, separation of church and state. And loved working during that time with the military personnel. We continue to kind of on an informal basis now, but we see primarily men that have been in the war zone that suffer from uh, deep, deep trauma. And because of that, they have night episodes and night terrors, and in a two-day process, we see them set free every time. Did you hear that? Every time. BC has flown out a couple of their top 10 experts, two of them, and uh, to see what goes on, and they'll say, Robbie, give us the worst case that you can work with, and it's easy to find, and unfortunately, but wonderful to watch them get healed through about a 28-hour process in two days. But I'm getting older, so I need some of you to take over and understand how Jesus heals. Amen? So I want to talk to you about that tonight. I want to share a, a simple story, but it, it's real life to me. Um, years ago, I was having lunch with a man by the name of Paul Youngie Cho. That might be familiar to some of you in that he was the pastor of the largest church in the world. At the time, pastoring 800,000 people that attended his services every weekend. How you like that? 800,000. I remember telling him, I, we couldn't be your ushers at your church. Huh? He said, well, we do have 20,000 ushers. Can you imagine? <laughs> Frank, just try and deal with that. You know, 20,000 people, ushers. Anyway, and, and I, I asked him because I, since I have, fallen in love with the Lord and been spirit-filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, I have contended for people's healing. I hope you do too. In other words, God hears our prayer. Amen? The fervent prayer of a righteous man and woman, huh? Is that all right that I say that? Avails much. So, by the way, we got the keys, Matthew 16, 19, huh? 
Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever loosens on earth is loosened on earth will be loosened in heaven because of you, because we live for the Lord, because we contend for something that just we can't do with our hands. We can't do with our grand thoughts or whatever. It takes a miracle of God working through you. Yay! So I asked him, I mean, our church was tiny compared to 800,000 people on a Saturday, Sunday services. Come on. And I said, what do you attribute your being able to have breakthrough in a nation? Seoul, Korea. Now, two years ago, they just passed, uh, the South Korea just passed greater than 50% believers. And almost all of those are Pentecostal. All right? I mean, they hardly know what we're talking about if they were to go into a non-Pentecostal church here in the United States. You go to the Presbyterian Church in Korea, and they are all spirit-filled believers. They want, I mean, I'm not putting down Presbyterians. I mean, we have it in our background, and part of my relatives are preachers in the Presbyterian Church. Spirit-filled, thank God. Yay! Come on. I mean, isn't that fun? You know, all kinds of the salad, and we all make up Christians. Yes? Yes? Amen, the family of God. Anyway, so uh, um, anyway, so we were talking, I said, well, what do you attribute being able, I mean, you know, what are your walls? What are your walls of impossibility? Are there things in your life that you have given up hope on that you don't even have faith for anymore because you've cried out to the Lord and didn't see something happen? Well, reread Hebrews chapter 11. Let it stir your heart a little bit. It, we call it the faith chapter. Isn't that right? Let the Lord conceive something for you about the impossible thing in your life that you would believe God for. So I said to him, you know, what do you, how, what, how, how did you make inroads? How did you break through multi-generational Buddhism and find these people in throngs giving their heart to the Lord. And he said, I pray and I obey. And I thought, well, that's pretty slick. But I pray. <laughs> Can I say it? I'll tell you what I told him. I know I sound like a goofball in front of this huge giant of a man. And I said, I pray and I obey the Lord. And I don't see that. He said, Robert, I think we're talking about two different things when we're talking about praying and obeying. Tell me what you mean. He said, when I pray, I pray over every one of my concerns. I pray over my weaknesses, my difficulties, my challenges. He said, I do this daily. I pray over the things that I feel like God's putting on my heart, but I don't know what to do with. And he went through a list of all the things he prays for personally. Then he said, then I pray for my wife. And by the way, he's quite funny. And he kind of says, God knows she needs it. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. All right. How many of you men say your wife needs a miracle too? Just because she's married to you. <laughs> it's a miracle right there. She loves us. You know, that <laughs> you do, don't you? Yeah, thank you. Anyway, whew. That we're going to have to take her to a married couple's retreat and get her fixed again. Anyway, <laughs> but she, she cooperated yesterday. Anyway, so I, he said, I pray for my wife and the difficulties she's facing. I pray for my adult children, their families. Pray for the church staff and pray for all of Seoul, Korea. He said, I know, and this was mind-boggling to me, but I'm just going to slip it in. He said, I know the clans and the areas of my city that don't know the Lord, and I pray about it daily. Wow, that'd be like saying, I know Buena Park. I know Whittier. I know La Mirada. I know La Habra. I know Bellflower. I know Cerritos. I mean, it would be wherever you live, it would be saying, I know the people on my block. I know the community that God has given me effectiveness in or lacking thereof, but wanting to see it. Yes? And he said, and Robert, when I'm done praying, I then silence myself until I have heard God speak on every one of those areas. And when I know what I am to do about what he told me to do about me and my wife and my children and the church staff and Seoul, Korea and beyond, I do it. And I thought, wow, the man hears from God. That's what I walked away from. He actually takes the time. I want to tell you, sometimes I'm a sicko in comparison to that. I mean, any of you have ever been like me? And that is, you pray about something and then 
you know, you kind of go to God the next day with a little punch card and to- tell him how good he did on these three things, but what's wrong with the other five? He's slacking a little bit. You know, come on. You know, and, but how many of you know, sometimes we treat God like that. The under- anyone along with me, all right? Would there be- Thank you. There's a reason I like John. And then he started scratching his head. I thought he was going to raise his hand. Then he- Anyway, all right. So, so... So I begin to realize, and by the way, in my Bible, I'm turning to Jeremiah real quick in chapter number 33, 31. But in my mind, I begin to realize this. There is a wholeness that the Lord has for me, but my thinking needs to be in line with his. Do you agree? And quite frankly, daily, I am around things that cause my thinking to be other than the Lord. Do you understand? So let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Amen? In fact, I speak that over you and the situations you're facing. How many of you in here, honestly, you have a situation that you need the voice of the Lord into? Let me start over here. How many of you do? I always do. And how many over here? Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. And I just say this. Let this mind be in you where you know how the Lord thinks regarding that situation. Amen? So I was thinking also, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, don't be conformed uh, by this world, but transformed by the renewing of of your mind. Well, look at this in Jeremiah, and then we're going to land on the final scripture, and then miraculously, I'm going to be done, what, by 6.45? Is that right? (laughs) Anyway, I forget what time they told me. Uh, Anyway, So look at this, Jeremiah, I'm only going to refer to it, and and it says this, I love this, Jeremiah 31, I can't pass verse number three when it says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. Now here's what you're going to notice, I want to talk to you a little bit about the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant, which we would know primarily of the Old Testament, okay? And even the first five books of the Old Testament, we call the books of the, the books of the law. Who said that over here? Lynn, you knew that? Dude, girl, you're quite a student. All right? Wow. All right? Anyway, but it, they are known as the book books of the law, all right? And then the new covenant comes along. And I want you, the new covenant comes through Christ. And Jeremiah the prophet was foretelling the coming of Christ. And look at this in verse 31. It says right in the middle of it, the Lord says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Verse 32, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers. In that day, I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 33, right in the middle, I will put my law in their what? In their minds. Somebody said heart. Is that you're reading from Amplified or something? Is that right? I'm reading from uh, New King James Version. A lot of great ones. Okay. And then it, it, it goes on this. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 34, right near the last. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Yay! I mean, how many of you could just throw a party right now over the Lord not... Can you... I mean, grasp this. Some of you sitting right here are still defining your life off of some stinking failure that you can't rerun the water on. Do you hear me? And some of you have measured or devalued your life off of some sin that is come along or pile of it in your life. And the Lord's saying, I have no memory. Wow. So apparently, (laughs) there is a mind gap between the way he thinks and the way you think. You hear me? And we're going to close it with one element tonight as we deal with it. Matthew asked that I speak on uh, uh, healing. Is that right? Emotional healing. Is that what you commanded me to do last week when I had another <laughs> message ready and you said that's a nice one but could you switch it? And by the way, Gary, thank you. You did all the PowerPoint for me already and he still switched it on me and, and he was right. 
So with me, and Matthew, thank you. I love you beyond words. Um, look in, turn with me to the book of Genesis, and I'm not going to have you turn a lot more beyond that. Genesis chapter number three. And I want to talk to you about the contrast between two kingdoms, okay? And uh, by the way, thank you for whoever did that, for putting it up on the scripture. And I, I want to talk to you about there being a difference between knowing good and what the word would mean even in the Hebrew of knowing evil and what the Lord was trying to keep, keep his people from. There are two ways of seeing things, and that's what I want you to grab. If you walk away with nothing else, I want you to be aware there's two ways of seeing things. There are the eyes of the Lord, and there is another step that I want to talk to you about. Okay? So Genesis chapter number 3 and we're going to read verses 1 to verse number 12, has to do with temptation and the fall. Okay, you with me? And pay attention if you could, because I think this is life-changing, and it might help you for the rest of your life. It says this, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I want to say this. This is a little side teaching. I hope I'm not putting too much time in it. Would you give me a few extra minutes if I needed it? Thank you. Remember that you said that. And, uh, because a minute is as a thousand years to the Lord. Yeah. Anyway, all, all right. Anyway, but, but let me say this. It's interesting if you're wanting to study the deception of the enemy and how he works in your life today he exaggerates things. The Lord did not say you cannot eat from every tree of the garden. He said don't eat from that one. Do you hear me? Just that one. Eat from every other tree. Now, by the way, Eve was new in being worked on by the enemy. Do you understand? And there is an enemy that tries to work on you every day. And, but she's new at this, but she's still strong. And she says this, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. In other words, by the way, I just say, stay out of conversation. Just step on his head and get rid of him. Come on, don't get into conversation with the devil. Bind him and get him out of your home. Amen. Come on. Not, hey, what are you thinking today? What do you think of my thoughts? You want to plant some more? No, anyway, all right. It says, it says this, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you what? Lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Isn't it amazing how the enemy wants to take the truth and the reality of Christ, and he wants to dissuade you from that? I am convinced that it isn't necessarily you and me the enemy hates. He hates God. And the manner to the heart of the Lord is by separating you from him. And I say, let's connect with the Lord. Amen. In fact, one of the things I said, you heard me earlier when we were taking communion early on with the worship team. And thank you, worship team, for what you did. But I said, Lord, remove every obstacle that would be between me and you. Huh? I might have had to ponder on what some of those are, and he would have been glad to talk to me about them if I would have waited a little longer. I didn't want to wait that long. <laughs> Come on. I mean, if you've done that too, you know, I think we'll just kind of hurry on. I'm not sure I want to hear everything he has to say right now. I really do, by the way. It, so it goes on, verse number five. For the Lord, this is the, the enemy talking, the serpent, it says, for God knows in the day you eat, eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. By the way, they were already created in the image of God. There was nothing good missing from them. But the enemy lied to make them think that there was something missing in their life. That if they could do that which the Lord boundaried them from, their life somehow would be richer, fuller, better. 
when in reality the only things the Lord forbids you and me from are things that cause a diminishing or destruction of our lives. Do you hear me? By the way, some of us have lived both sides. I have. Lynn, huh? you have too. Barney, you have too. I won't go through the rest of you. All right, okay. How many of you have lived both sides? I wasn't born and raised a Christian. That's why I'm so happy to be born again. Some of you might think, oh, no, God got a pretty good deal with me. Well, he didn't with me, all right? I got the deal of heaven. Yay! He didn't even remember a single thing. My wife remembers what I did wrong earlier today. But But God does it. You remember that. Your dad's not remembering it, all right? Okay, it goes on before I get in too much trouble. It says, you will be like God, knowing good and what? Evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Boy, she'd been glaring at it. Oh, Oh, that's what you don't want me to eat? Oh, let me examine it. That's what she's doing. Have you ever examined sin? Oh, that's what the Lord wants me not to do? Oh, I think I'll just check it out. A little bit more. Oh, that looks good to eat. Uh, come on. How many of you can apply that someplace in your life? Is there anyone in here? Raise your hand. Come on. The rest of you are liars. All right? Anyway, it, 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 it says this. So the woman saw the tree was good for food. I think she was glaring at the wrong way too much. It says, and it was pleasant to the eyes. Oh, it's pretty. Anyway, and... The tree desirable to make one wise. Oh, I bet I could be smarter. She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. He could have said no. He's just going right along with it. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were, what? Open. That's the second time the Bible's used the word referring to eyes being opened. And that word actually means that they became aware of something they were previously unaware of because they were experiencing something, but what they were experiencing was not good, okay? I don't want my eyes opened any further to not good. How many of you are with me on that? Drive a stake in the ground in agreement with me and say, boy, that's the way it is too. Anyway, it says this, so they were open and they knew that they were naked. Now, by the way, do you know that they were running around naked all day and didn't know they were naked? You might say, you mean they couldn't see one another's naked? Oh, I'm sure they were seeing it and enjoying everything they saw. Come on. But they didn't know it was nakedness. They thought it was right, pure, holy, the way God designed. Amen? But now sin entered the camp, and it took something that was good, and it started making it contaminate. And the Lord wants to restore, doesn't he? Anyway, it says they sewed fig leaves. I don't know what kind of sewing machine they had all of a sudden together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day because he showed up every day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. They'd never done that from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. By the way, this is sad to me. Is it sad to you? It says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. See, let me tell you why this is sad to me. I know people today that when they sin, they hide themselves from God. Do you know that Some of you had difficulty even coming to church today because of a sense of failure and things where you failed the Lord, huh? Had to overcome that. Do you know that there's times that people won't even talk to the Lord after they've sinned? They'll wait days. Do you know one of the greatest things we can do is just right then, oh God, I was stupid again. Huh? I mean, was that okay to say it like that? I'm letting you in on my prayer life. Very profound, all right? Oh, Lord, forgive me. Come quickly, Lord. Restore the joy of Amen? One of the greatest things you can do is not ignore the Lord with your failure, but take your failure 
to the Lord. Amen? It goes on. What verse are we on? 10, thank you. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, last verse, then the man said, the woman whom you gave, you gave to be with me. She gave it to me and I ate. All right. Think, yeah, really, buddy? God spoke to you directly and now you're blaming her, huh? Personally, I like blaming other people for my wrongdoing. How many of you like doing that too? But how many of you know it doesn't deliver you? You just don't get healed while you're blaming your brother or sister. Isn't that right? Huh? We, we get healed when we look at our side of the sidewalk. I want to talk to you about three things, and then um, and hopefully we'll be honoring some kind of time that you apparently set for me. But you don't invite me often, and so um, <laughs> I take advantage of the time. It did take me an hour and a half to get here from L.A. <laughs> Point number one, if you'd put it up there, and thank you. There's two ways of seeing things. I want you to hear in this issue that we're going to talk about for just about seven minutes, all right, or whatever. I'm just throwing that in there. I want you to hear there's two ways of seeing things because there's two kingdoms. So there's two ways of seeing things. There's knowing good and evil. So imagine this. All Adam ever knew in the garden before right here happened was good. Can you imagine? Everything. You, you go up and ask him, hey, how you doing? Good. Anything wrong? No. Got any pains? No. Everything's good. Everything's good. You sick? No, I'm good. You worried about your next meal? Got lots of food. How you doing emotionally? Good. You depressed? No, I'm good. You worried about somebody else? No, everything is good. Can you imagine everything? I, I just like that. It tells us a little of the taste of heaven, of God's design when we get there. Nothing, nothing is bad. No tears in heaven, no agony, no worry, no discontent. My wife won't be disagreeing with me there in heaven, won't be picking on my driving on Highway 5 trying to get here in traffic, <laughs> telling me I'm tailgating when I'm not. Nothing bad. Everything good. In fact, listen to, listen to what good means. I know you know this, but we, we need to drive in the point before I show you the contrast. You ready for this? Come on, keep chewing on it with me. A desirable life. Good quality, beneficial, right, it's well, it's safe, it's dependable, it's stable, it's pleasant. No sickness and no worry. Wow. Somebody say wow with me. Okay, everything was good for Adam. And what does the serpent come along and do? All you know is good. You're missing it. You can know. I mean, this is stupid. He's stupid. How could he fall for that? And then I look in a mirror. Come on. All he knew was good. And he said, you're missing it. You need some evil. You need to know. By the way, know in its capacity in the Hebrew, which is what this text was written in, means to experience something. To be aware by living it out. He's not saying, by the way, God is going to, uh, you're going to receive some intellectual capacities that will be larger and referring to knowing that like two plus two equals four. No, he's saying you will know evil because evil will have touched your life. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, you're missing out. Listen. Some of you came in here tonight and you've been wrestling with sin. You've been wrestling with the temptation of the enemy. And the enemy's been whispering, you're missing. And the Lord's saying, the only thing you're missing out on is not being entangled in the experience of evil. Deliver us. Amen? Deliver us. 
have a prayer partner, pray with you. Listen, evil means bad. I mean, why would a person want this? <laughs> I don't know, Rob, why would you? Bad, harmful injuries, profoundly immoral or wicked, characterized by misfortune, suffering, disaster, contrary to God's character and will. I don't want that in my life. How many of you would agree? Listen, Adam only had one rule, and I want you to grab a hold of that. His only rule. You know, some of you think, oh, God. I mean, by the way, I've heard the stupidest things people have to say. I lead people to the Lord all the time. I've probably led 25, 26,000 people to the Lord through my years, and a good number of them individually. Okay? I hear some of the stupidest things. You know, when, when it comes to people and they're, they're talking about why they don't want to give their heart to the Lord or the things, the reasons they slipped away from the Lord, where there's all these do's and don'ts. You know, come on, how many of you kind of know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I have to simplify it. Micah 6.8, he has shown the old man what's good for you and what does the Lord require you? Do justly. Who said that? Oh, wow, your son studies the word, huh? Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with the Lord, all right? Simplify your relationship with the Lord. Adam had one rule, don't eat of that tree. Why did he have one rule? There weren't a thousand. By the way, do you know there are 600? You don't need to know this. You don't need to Google it later, all right? There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613. That's what religion does to a person. Adam had one rule. Don't eat of it. Now, you don't have to base your faith on this. This is my liberty because I've been asked to speak here tonight. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. All right. I don't know that there was something inherently wrong with that tree. He had one rule. And while he's following that one rule, he was under one governor. He had one ruler. And that rule, which by the way, we have one rule today, what you're going to hear in a couple minutes, about two more points. I'm already getting there, and I need to slip on back to point number one. But he had one rule, and in that rule, it showed that God himself was one. When Adam catches, by the way, remember, all he knew was good. You know why? When he was under the rule of God, he had the eye. He saw as God saw. Do you hear me? His eyes hadn't been opened to breaking from one kingdom and into another. When Adam disobeyed God, he changed his sight. His eyes became tainted. He went from one government, the government of God, one eyesight, seeing things God's way into the government of the enemy. When we take the rulership of the Lord out of our life and say, I'm not going to do life your way. I'm going to do life my way. We begin to know the harm that evil brings into our life. I want the Lord's Unbelievable. I want, she just gave me a 10-minute mark. Did you see what she did? Don't you, don't you say that was good. You put up the 20-minute mark again. All right, anyway, I'm teasing. This means I should hurry instead of talking about you, doesn't it? Listen, the serpent lied to him. But reality is you, he broke the one rule, and because he broke the one rule, he becomes not like God, but he begins to see things. All of a sudden, 
he couldn't see the goodness of the Lord anymore. How do I know that? He was afraid. Adam, why were you afraid? Where did you go? Oh, well, I hid because I became afraid of you. And by the way, and now I see that I'm naked. Adam, who told you that you were naked? Well, his eyes changed. You see that? Do you realize he was in paradise? Running around with this girl naked all day long. Sorry, you'll have to help with that later. All right. <laughs> Sorry. You clean it up later. Where are you? Adam, did you break the one rule I had for you? Yeah, and then he blames it. By the way, don't be stupid. Stop blaming people. If you have sin in your life, go to God. A man who forgives, who will forgive you of all of your iniquity. But he doesn't forgive me while I'm saying it's her fault. And I love to blame. But I don't because it doesn't help. It diminishes all of life. So he, his eyes changed from one kingdom into another. Now let me share with you, because they change governments. And that is, the enemy wanted to rule him and wanted to make him a slave to himself and not to God. Okay? Two ways of seeing things. Here's the second point. And do I have, ten, would you hold that up one more time? Ten minutes. God is calling us back to see things through our Father's eyes. You have things going on in your life. You have, you have belief systems that go on in your life. You have things that you believe about yourself that you're not seeing through his eyes, but seeing through the enemy's eyes. You have things that you believe about other people. The enemy's main goal is to pervert your perspective of God the Father. He is so loving. He is so in love with you. Amen? I mean, it, listen, some of you who've been heavy with your soul being all torn up in one way or another, if God would just still this room and open up the heavens where you could see heavenly hosts and people that have gone on before us and Jesus just come right down and stand right by you and look at you and say, that's me. Frank, I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing at the gal right behind you. All right. Right there, girl. No, I mean that. And him say, that's my girl. And I love you. You know what? You wouldn't have a problem in this world. Every lie of the enemy would have been broken off you understand? And we would be regaining perspective. I'm going to skip a couple things, but I want to say this. The enemy wants to, us to think that God is a punisher somehow, and so we then become, you know, people in their marriages and people in their relationships become controlling and judgmental and critical and, and punishing of others when the Lord is just calling us back and saying, I want you to see through my eyes. Number three. Am I doing better? Do I have all the time I need? She's biting her lip when I said that. How many of you would honestly, you'd say, it's okay, take seven, eight more minutes? How many of you say, don't? I'll stop right now if you want me to. All right. The new covenant calls us back to one rule and one ruler. God wants to make it very simple. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? One rule, 
one ruler. We become people who love, no longer blaming other people. But I want you to hear something. I want to just close with two quick stories, and then I really am done, Pastor Matt. It'll only take me 20, 30 minutes to peace. In John 8 is a story that, for many reasons, and I could tell stories around it, but many reasons I really relate to it. It's the, you know, Jesus is teaching the multitudes, and he's actually been in the temple teaching. And the Pharisees and scribes come and throw a woman at his feet. And they say, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. In the very act. I always think, where's the guy? I mean, was it solo adultery or something? I mean, I don't know. I've not heard of it around these parts. but. And what they were doing is they were saying, they then went on to say, Moses, the law of Moses exacts that she needs to be stoned. What are you going to do? And I think they were all kind of thinking, look, we'll get him with this. And I think they threw her at his feet and said, he's got to play by our rules. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't. You can read in that story later, but it's pretty close to what I'm saying. I'm not embellishing the story. Jesus was... The woman was standing. He was bent over writing something. And they kept saying, and because the Bible says, and they kept repeating it. What do you have to say? She's to be killed today. What do you have to say, Jesus? Right on the ground. Then he Let him who has no sin Past the first. Yeah. And by the way, from the older to the younger, I get that scripture, by the way. Barney, you and I'd be saying if we were standing there, oh boy, we know we failed. We got it. Maybe some of you young people, if you'd been standing there, thought, well, I'm, I don't know. I mean, maybe I haven't sinned yet, you know. But we all know we have, huh? Don't you? We failed the Lord. And one by one, oldest to youngest, they left. Now, by the way, listen to this. The only one who had no sin could throw the stone was standing right there. Yay! And he threw no stone. He said to her, I think, some of us would be saying, yeah, you give her the what for. He said, where are your accusers? Neither do I. He's the only one with authority too. He's the only one that can accuse you. And he doesn't. So you stop it. Do you hear me? Yeah. Say that Spirit of the Lord, stop defining your life of something of failure. Begin to live as light into the world. That people know the love of God because they know you and you know how loved they are. Do you hear me? You know what he said to her? Neither do I accuse you. Now get up and don't do it anymore. <laughs> I just like that. Where's the shaming? <laughs> Where's the throwing it in her face? Where's the punishment? Where's the consequence? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? You know why? Those are the eyes of the serpent. And God is trying to give us his eyes back. There are some of you that if you get this tonight, you're going to see your spouse different. You're going to see yourself different. You're going to see your children different. You're going to see your mom and dad different. You're going to see your neighbors different because you're going to love them. Come on. And judgment is gone. And love is there. And you're going to care. Amen? I'm not done yet. I told you I had two stories. I got one more. You're not holding up the red one yet. 
I am on point three, last point, with one more page of notes to go. I'm teasing. <laughs> Listen, Luke 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. It's, it's one of my favorites. I've been studying it personally, but reading it and rereading it and rereading it. I've reread it for years. I love the story. But something I was grasping in just over the last couple months, and I thought this afternoon while I was studying, it's nice to have a church service in the afternoon. I could study all morning. Anyway, but something I was seeing in there that I'd not seen before. And that is, this, can I call him this? I heard a, somebody else, another, another friend say this. He called him the superstar father. I like that term in light of what I'm about to tell you. His son, the prodigal, was not just saying, give me my inheritance, I want to take off. He was saying, I want what you have, I just wish you were dead. That's what he was saying. It was, it was an act of severing of his relationship with the father. It was saying, I don't like you, but I like what you have. Now, by the way, that begins to churn in my soul because I like the Lord. I don't want to just like what he can do for me. Do you, do you understand that? How many of you are like me? We kind of, I don't mean to slip into this, but sometimes I little slip into a little bit of what God can do for me. You understand? He does for us. Yay. Chuck, thank you. That word spoke. It was a prophetic word into all of our life. And Matthew, that word that you gave out of the Psalms, that was the word of the Lord for us. How many of you agree? I mean, there was something I was stirring in my heart of faith that was matching what they were saying. And that, yes, that's the word of the Lord. But anyway, listen, when that son came back and got restored, he got restored to his dad for who he was. Listen, the story is not told, but by the way, do you realize that son came back, they put the best robe on him, put his signet ring for doing business and the sandals of position in family back on him. It's not showing us something about rules. There was no judgment given. There was no, in fact, I don't, I don't know how far to take this. I think we could possibly take it too far, but there was no consequence. It was just come back to me. I'll make your life good again. Your life has been in a pigsty. Come back. I'll restore you fully, fully, not to the slave house, fully. And so Jesus is not showing people rules. He's not showing them the church. He's showing us the Father, and he's showing us the love of the Father. So I close with this. You ready? Huh? And you never held up the red one. Come on, you want it out of kicks? No, I'm teasing. Anyway, you're sweetie. I was thinking of three words. Repentance, reconciliation, and restoration with God. Repentance is just merely turning. Reconciliation is merely connecting. Restoration is him healing our hearts. Lord, I want to connect with you. Give me your eyes. Amen? That when I look at people this week, I look at them with the eyes of God. That when I judge the situations that I have to look at this week, I see them through the same eyes that Jesus. How many of you just know right now, and by the way, I'm closing. I really am. See, I closed my notes and things. But how many of you would say, Robbie, I have some situations I've been looking at and I've been using the wrong eyes. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, how about here? <coughs> wrong eyes. And how many of you are stimulated by the Holy Spirit to say, I need to look at them through the eyes of Jesus? Raise your hand if that's you. Yeah. Lord, I just simply ask you, give us, give us your eyes back. Give us your eyes for our family, for our spouses, those of us that are married. Give, give us our eyes back about how you see us. Heal us.
deliver us from the lies of the enemy that they fall off as dust right now. We no longer think, oh, I'm unlovable. There's something wrong with me. God wouldn't even take the time with me. That's lies from the pit of hell, and they're broken now in Jesus' name. Set us free. Give us our eyes back, the eyes that Adam had before sin. We will love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and walk in communion. Keep your head bowed just a minute. Anyone in here saying, Pastor Robbie, I'm away from the Lord. I just want to make things right with him right now. I want him in my life. I want to invite him in my life. And I'm just going to have you do it right there in your seat. I'm going to lead you all in prayer in a minute. But if that's you, you're away from the Lord, you want him in your life, just lift your hand right now. Lift your hand. Amen. Amen. How many of you, and you'll know what I'm talking about, have held your sin against you? And the Lord spoke to you tonight, showed that to you, and you're wanting that broken, right? Lift your hand. Many, yeah. Oh, Jesus, that you embraced your people, your daughters, your sons. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the love of the Father. Mm. Would you all say this with me while those who had raised their hands to give their hearts to Christ close the gap too. Everybody say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I give you my life. Everything. Including my foul beliefs. (laughs) They're yours. I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Only you have the power to forgive. So I thank you for your forgiveness. Only you can remember my sin no more. I look tonight into your eye. I lift my head and look into your eye. They're not looking at me as a sinner, but as someone cleansed and free. Thank you. Come into my life. Live in me as my Lord. Now train me in your ways. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I love you all. Good to see you. Thank you, Matthew.